We often say when we come into the presence of God in such manner, we can feel His, uh, His presence is tangible. And uh, somebody say this, once they say that why do we need to draw near into the presence of God? Isn't, isn't God's presence everywhere? Um, even you don't draw near also, you're in His presence. But I want, to say, I want to say this, that there is a difference between in the presence of God. There, is, there are different degree of in the presence of God. We can be in the presence of somebody and not having any relationship with that person. Am I not right? Huh? So we often say that in the family, we have an absentee father. Huh? The father who is not present. Hey, the father comes home every night to have dinner with the family. How come he's absent? There is no deep connection between the father and the children. So we say he was an absentee father. And so it is with God. God is present, yes, absolutely true. He's omnipresent, he's present everywhere. But there is a, a concept of presence of God in the Bible that draws the distinction, right? That draws the distinction between just being in His presence and experiencing the power of His presence. If I, if I were to be in the presence of my father, he just keep quiet, I just see him, I'm, I'm, I'm in His presence. But there is a level in which He would talk to me, He would connect with me. There is another level He said, Come, son, let me, let me show you let me show you great and mighty things. Let me bring you to my garden. Let me bring you to my estate. Let me bring you, let me draw you in, in what I'm doing. You see, there is a different level of presence, right? Uh, so my, my father used to, used to like to you know, build, uh, uh, you know, chicken heart. So he will involve me. Come, son. So I said, okay, this one, like that, like that, like that. So we were, we were trying to figure out how to make you know, at one time we were trying to figure out how to make our television, our first color TV works. Okay, of course it messed it up, right? Because we have no idea how, how, how to make it works. But we, so we get involved with Him. There is another different level of presence. But there is another level of presence which we're going to talk about that when we are in trouble, when we are in trouble, we call out to our parents, our parents came. They appear and we see them coming through. Oh, we said, He's here. My dad is here. My mother is here. I'm safe. So, there are different levels of presence. Right? So, today, we're not talking about God is uh, uh, present everywhere. Today, we're going to talk about the power of God's presence. Right? If God is present, he, it must be evident. Okay? If God is present, He must be evident. We cannot see God because God is spirit. But of course, surely we can. We can know His presence by experiencing His power, you know, what He does with us, what He can do in our life. The greatest evidence of the existence of God is not in the intellectual argument. It's not in the philosophical argument or discourse, but it is in experiencing the presence of God and the power of the presence. Isn't it so? Let's look at the power of God's presence. That's what I want to look at today. What does it mean to live 
outside of God's presence. Let me just let us take us. Uh, let me just go through this with us, and to uh, and to figure out why is it so important. Uh, this power of God's presence that we talk about today is so important to us. Let's look at it. What if we do not have this kind of God's presence in our life? Let us start by reading Genesis chapter 4, verse 10 to verse 12. Okay, shall we read together? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your, with, from your hand. When you tilt the ground, you shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. So this is the passage that talks about when Cain, after he killed his brother Abel, right? And God appeared to him and gave him an opportunity to own up. And uh, we, we will never know what would happen if what could have happened. If Cain said, yeah, it was me. I'm so sorry. I did it, right? I did it. I killed my brother. We will never know what happened. But what happened that was recorded for us in Genesis chapter 4 was this. Cain said that, why do you ask me about my brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Do I always watch over him? Look after him? And God said, the blood of your brother Abel is crying out from the ground for justice, for something to be satisfied. There was a hunger. There was a demand that came from the blood of Abel, which was shed innocently because Cain was jealous of him. And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you're cursed from the earth. This phrase here, cursed from the earth, is this, you are cursed because of the earth. Now this is a very, uh, a, a very rich sentence in, in, uh, in, uh, in Hebrew's language. So now you are cursed from the ground. Now you are cursed because of the ground. Why? The ground has swallowed the blood, the innocent blood which you have shed. Alright? So, there was enmity now, now which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you tilt the ground, it shall no longer use its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. Now God is, is, is saying that now this is, these, are, these are the consequences when this thing happened. Now let's read on from Genesis chapter 4 verse 16. Let's read together. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. Now, you know, you know that at this time in the Old Testament, there was, the places are not quite named, right? So, what is this land of Nod? Uh, this word Nod, it simply means wandering or vagabond. So, Cain was cast out from the presence of God and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. You and I know that obviously this word here, the presence of the Lord, is not the omnipresence, it's not the God who present everywhere, that kind of presence, but there was something else. Because Cain went out from the presence of the Lord 
He dwell in the land of the vagabond. The wanderer can never settle down. So let us look at the shedding of innocent blood by murder, wars or sacrifice, put enmity between the land and the sinners. You see that Cain committed this sin. Innocent blood of, uh, of his brother was shed on the ground. And so there was enmity. Huh? God says, so now you are cursed from the, from the earth. Now you are cursed from the ground. Now you are cursed because of the ground. And when there is, whenever there is, there is bloodshed, innocent blood, as I mentioned, that by murder, which Cain did to his brother Abel, or by wars, right? Whenever there are wars, whether there's tribal wars, world wars, can you imagine the kind of world that we're living in? The kind of potentially, you know, potentially uh, a, 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 a dangerous world in the sense, right? Or sacrifice. If we're talking about human sacrifice in the history of the people of Israel, in the land of Canaan, and in different parts of the world, in, di in different culture, human sacrifice, sacrifice of babies and all the rest of it. Now, those are the sacrifices that will put enmity between the land and the sinners. Not just those who committed the sins, wherever we walk in darkness, wherever we walk in the way of the devil, wherever we sin against God, we, we turn our back on God, we are sinners. And that curse immediately operates against us as sinners. And therefore, in Romans chapter 3, Paul said, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, all have sinned. If all have sinned, all step into that vulnerability, eh? the vulnerability of being a vagabond, a wanderer, a fugitive, having to work very hard in order to overcome the ground. Mankind has been abusing our environment because we just cannot get what we need. Just don't have enough. So what do you do when you don't have enough? You work harder. You work harder, you still don't get enough. What do you do? You cross the boundary. You abuse the environment. And even to the extent, you call down supernatural power, not necessarily of that of God, huh? Sacrifices was made. Why did, why did people make human sacrifice? Not that it, never, it, was, it was never started as something that they enjoy doing, but something that was desperately needed in their lives. And so, whenever there is a sacrifice of blood, we talk about that it keeps the demonic altars active. What does it mean? Simply put in one statement, the demonic altars are kept active so that the devil's agenda can be executed. Whenever there are sacrifices demanded from the enemy, we talk about this quite at length during this season of time. I've come to this point, hopefully they put all this together and that we can see why is it so important that we stand against Demonic altars in our land, in, and in our bloodline, in our family, because the demonic altars are truly, truly very wicked. 
it activates the devil's agenda for mankind, for sinners, against sinners. And so, here is what happened to Cain. Right at the start, right after Genesis chapter 3, mankind have sinned. What is the effect of sins? What, what, is the, what, is, what are the consequences of sins? How does it affect us, man, when Adam has sinned, Cain has sinned? My dear friends, this is how it is affecting us. Because it's being repeated. As I mentioned, there are so many walls around, right? In the, in the, world, that, in the world that we are living in. And there are, so, there are so many innocent bloodshed. So many sacrifices, even in this land of Sabah. Do we not? Uh, do we, uh, I'm sure you agree with me that there, there, are, there are sacrifices made. They are still, they are still in the land of uh, Sarawak. Uh, there are still human skulls hung over during places. A uh, family house, those are human skulls. They didn't die. They didn't die voluntarily. Those are innocent blood that was being shed. We still got Cain, and he's saying in verse 12, when you till the ground, Genesis chapter 4, verse 12, when you till the ground, you shall no longer you is strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on earth. At least we see there are threefold are effect of this curse of the land against sinners because of innocent bloodshed, because whenever a sacrifice is made to, to the demonics, it makes, the, uh, uh, as I said, the devil's scheme, the devil's agenda very active, actively against us. The ultimate of the ultimate purpose of the, the, the demonic agenda is said that there will be enmity between God and man. He wants to separate us from God. He wants to keep mankind being cut off from the blessing, from the goodness of God, from the presence of God. So Cain was driven out from the presence of God. Threefold effect. Number one is unfruitful. Right? He tilled the ground, he no longer you is strength to you. The land is not a friend anymore. It is unfruitful. We work very hard. We get very little. We look at the, our, our, our nation today. We look at every nation. We look at nations of call, the, the, you know, the first world and all that. They are in deep debt. They continue to create more debt. Our financial system is this debt to create more debt, to borrow more money. Uh, to make every, all the prices going go up and money going to lose its value and so on and so forth. You know, if we are honest, if all the, all the, all the, you know, all the economists are to be honest with themselves, we are, we are at, you know, we are, we are going through a tunnel with no light at the end of it. We can only borrow our way through. It is unfruitful. The curse of the land against us is unfruitful. Number two is unstable. Being a fugitive, what does it mean to be a fugitive? Always running. The word fugitive here in the Hebrew language also means that unstable. Unstable job, unstable housing. People are shifting from one house to another house. People are shifting from one nation to another nation to find work. 
unstable, not just in emotion, but the whole being unstable. Unstable emotion, very vulnerable, not just to sadness, despair, but sometimes anger. Unstable. You look at a person, hey, this person is very unstable. Not necessarily they always cry, but always get angry also. Sometimes we, you know, I, I'm thankful for ministry, for, for, for God's grace that's given us so many ministries that minister to the personal needs and personal struggle. Do you know that when we continue to minister in that way, that is really the grace of God. But at the end of it, we must look at it against such a backdrop. It's just like you're trying to find fresh air in a very polluted environment. And God provided you an air freshener or, 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 or air filter. He put it on your mouth and He said, oh, this is an air filter, the filter, all the polluted air around us. As long as this air filter works, I get some fresh air. But if I look at the person next to me, hey, you don't have air filter. You're, to, you're, you're breathing all the polluted air. It's going to bring bad health to you. We continue. I mean, this is the grace of God. We have many ministry pastoral ministry in the church. People coming to us, they are unfruitful in their life. They are unstable, not just financially, emotionally, but spiritually. And the pastors are so kept also very busy. It's grace of God. I know we cannot do without. But on the other hand, I want to suggest to us, let us deal with the polluted air. We need to continue to give up air filter. Uh, to help people to survive, you know? This is an important ministry. That's what, I, I, that's what we've been doing a lot in this church. But I want to suggest to us, look at this, because this, this is bigger than any ministry put together. It is something that only when we touch the presence of God that we can see the air begin to clear up in a particular society, in a particular family, in a particular area, in a particular city, in a particular nation. Hey, we are cleaning the air. We are not just handing out air purifier. So we can see that, you know, it is, uh, uh, we are, the, the, the people are unstable. They, 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 they find that they are, they are, they are, they are easily shaken. Right? Uh, they, they can't stand very firm on their, on their conviction. And we ask why. My dear friends, because of sins. Number one. Number two, because of the sins of the land that has put such an enmity between us and the land and between us and God. Number three, unsettled, vagabond. Right? Unsettled, cannot settle down. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you find that, you know, as we progress, as, as, the, as the sin of nation begin to, to escalate, there are more people feel that they're unsettled. People may be rich, well-off. They find that they cannot settle down. You know, the word, the English word set, set, uh, settle down is more than just having a family, but it, like, actually set, set, uh, settle down, they have a home. They find it more and more difficult. You, can, you can't have your own home. How do you settle down? Right? So they are the homeless. Many homeless. Although in, in Malaysia, although they are not homeless, but how many of our young people can own their own home? A place where they call home. 
And are there not more and more young people are finding it, uh, you know, difficult to find life partner? Not that they are not beautiful, not handsome, not good, good men and good, good women. They are excellent. Good. They are excellent men and women of God. But yet there is this, 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 this resistance against people from settling down. Unsettled. We pray for people who are unsettled, unstable, unfruitful. But I want to suggest to us as church, we want to do something about not just the polluted, you know, just not, not just giving up air purifiers, as I say, but deal with the pollution, deal with the root cause of it. Now, how, how do we do that? How, what can we do? Now, let's look at what does the presence of God does to us. There are twofold, there are there are two things I'd like to raise uh, with us this morning. Let's look at Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. Let's read together. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence, in God's presence, there is life and joy, right? Because it says, you make known to me the path of life. Why, 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 why did the psalmist say, it, he has, you know, he's, he's, he's full of joy? Because he knows where to go in life. He knows the pathway in life. He knows that, you know, there's life, there's meaning in life, there's a direction in life, there's a destiny in their lives. People are, are normally are very restless with, with, with their, with their find that they don't know about their purpose of life, they don't know where they're going in their, in their career, in their job, you know, in the ministry. They all get very restless. We all, we, all, we all do, right? Because when God created us, He put something, as the, you know, a writer of Ecclesiastes says, that He put something that is eternal in us. We have a homing device. We want more because we are connected to the eternal God. We want the best from our Creator. And so, there is a homing device. We are looking for a path that leads to meaningful life. Not just living, breathing, and even enjoying good things. But where are we going? Many people have found that you know, we, we, sometimes we talk about, the, hey, how come these people, wow, they're so rich, and then all that, they still do all kinds of things to get more riches. What is wrong with them? i tell you what's wrong with them. Because they have, found, they have not found the path to life. They have not found the path in their life. They are just getting more. They are just, uh, you know, do all kinds of ways, legal or illegal, to accumulate wealth, so much so that they cannot finish enjoying. They cannot, they, they can hardly, you know, finish, you know, enjoying them. Not just one life, or one, many generations. So we often say that this person is so rich that uh, the next 10 generations are going to work. But there's still one more. There is a deep dissatisfaction inside. Then no achievement no accomplishment can fulfill. Young people, you may listen to me and say that this is an old man talking. But consider this, because I'm older than you, 
have journeyed longer. Consider this. Consider this. Not many of you present here because the SOP is older than me. But consider this seriously. What do you pursue in life? Whatever that we are pursuing in life, you can only find it in the presence of God. And God begins to bring that deep conviction in your heart and say that this is life. This is not life. This is living, right? Luxury, comfortable living. This is life that is in God. When we find it, there is joy, of course. Huh? There is fullness of joy in your presence. There is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. When the Lord says that I hold you, lift you up with my right hand, it is the right hand of pleasure. Pleasure for us and pleasure for Him. And He sees us walking in our purposes, in our destiny. Our Creator God, our Heavenly Father is so happy. Huh? Aren't you? Aren't, dude, I mean, those of us who are parents, you know, when your children are you know, walking in their, in their giftings, you know, uh, walking in their success, are you not joyful? Oh, you're so happy. Oh, you're so joyful. This is our Father. So in His presence, is fullness of joy at His, at His right hand, a pleasure forevermore. So in God's presence, this kind of God's presence brings us joy. Number two, let's read from this passage, a little bit long, but uh, a story I'm sure that all of us are quite familiar with. In uh, Genesis, uh, Genesis, Daniel chapter 3, no glasses, that's why I see there. <laughs> in Daniel chapter 3, verse 15 to verse 18, should we read together this, this, uh, this story? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and sub-tree, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I make, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fire, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer and say to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, or and He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Wow! These three young men, the, friend of, uh, the friends of Daniel, carried away in the kingdom of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar said that this is the way to go. Bow down and worship me. The image he set up for himself, uh, uh, he's so, he was so eccentric, right? He, uh, he doesn't want to be, just be king, he wants to be God. Uh, he wanted to be God. So he said, go, he may say, you hear all this sound, all this music, all this, all this uh, worship team start, start, start to play, uh, start to play really bow down and worship. But worship who? The golden image of me, of course, you know? So, but these three young men said, no. These three Jewish young men said, no. We bow down to no other gods except, except the God of heaven and earth, the God of our forefathers. Now, he, they, they only know this one way. Just this one, so straight, huh? like that. Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't do that, you will die. Die, die, he said. Two things. 
dimension. I believe that this God whom we worship are able to save me, save us. But if He does not, let it be known to you, I will not bow down. Oh, so straight, huh? No bending. The, the, the Hakka said, So straight, go straight. Let's read on, huh? From uh, verse, uh, verse 19 to 25. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression of his face changed towards Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they hit the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their burnt, the, the, the turbans and the other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because of the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counsellor, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answer and say to the king, True, O king, look, he answer, I saw four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. He was so mad, he threw all this tree. The mighty men of Vela in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom were not able to survive even by carrying the evil tasks. Let me say this again. The mighty men of valor in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar could not even survive when they carried out the evil scheme against these three men. The executor was being executed first. What happened to these three men? They were walking in fire. And Nebuchadnezzar saw the fourth person. It's like the Son of God. Now let us be clear about, about this, the, the Son of God. It's not the way we understand the Son of God, but Nebuchadnezzar didn't, didn't worship God or the Bible. Right? But he understood the spiritual realm. He's, he, in, in, their, in, their, in their worship, whenever there is a supernatural manifestation of the God whom they worship, in the, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom of Bab in the Babylon, there's something different about that, that entity. And Nebuchadnezzar can only describe that this is not man. This is a son of God. This is a God. Wow. My dear friends, look at these three young men. They just chose to worship God uncompromising. Now, they, they didn't choose to walk through the fire, right? The fire came looking for them. Just like in our lives, we, we, we don't look for trouble, right? We don't look for a difficult life to, do, uh, to live, right? Now, all of us want a comfortable life. Why are we going to look for trouble? But yet, these three young men have made the decision. 
my God, my worship of this holy God is paramount. It's non-negotiable. It is immovable. It is the pillar of my life. Regardless of what happened to me, this does not change. Now that set them apart. And so in, 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 in obeying God, not just obey Him or honouring God, they have chosen a path and along this path, there is only one thing awaits them. The fiery furnace. They will burn them. Uh, ashes also cannot find, huh? honestly. Because it was heated up seven times more, you see. But what happened when they walked through the fire? God's presence came among them. And the power of God's presence was manifested. How was it manifested? Of course, they were not burned and more than that. Huh? And uh, in uh, verse 26 and verse 27, let's read together. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's councillors gathered together, and they saw this man on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of the head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Wow, when they went through that fire, they came out. This is the effect. Even the hair was not, was not, you know, was not, uh, was not burned. You know how easy our hair is burned? Huh? You know, right? You know how, how, how easy our hair is burned? <laughs> you know, you know, you remember that those of us from Desert Stream, you remember there was one, one year we have this uh, 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 um, Christmas celebration that was pre-pandemic, of course. Huh? Uh, Christmas celebration, all of us given a candle. Huh? I was walking around and then uh, Zach was with me. I was walking around. We smelled some burning smell. I said, what is that? What is that? <laughs> My hair was on fire. So, so, so was hers. <laughs> then he said, Ayo, My hair is burnt. I said, Ayo, Mine also was here. Because, uh, want to, because all the light was, was, was put out. So I held up the candle so that you know, people can see other faces. You know, we held, held the candle. So even the candle. The hair burn, no? Oh yeah, I smell so no wonder so smelly. <laughs> but to this man, even in the fiery furnace, the hair was not burned. My dear friends, if it's not the power of God, I don't know what it is. I'm not talking about this. We all need to go through the physical fire. You know, the, the Bible always talks about that when you walk through the fire, when you go to the fire, when you walk to the water, the water will not overflow you, will not flood over you. The, when you walk to the fire, you, you will not be burned. Now God is saying about it, when you choose to walk in my ways, there will be fire, there will be flood, that they will not overcome you. Why? Because my presence is with you. As, com as, co as, as contrasted, with the absence of the presence of God in the life of Cain. It is, it is God's grace. It is God's redemptive plan to reverse it. God's presence is powerful to save, protect, and burn the adversary against us and our destiny. 
My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes we, we, we wage war, we contend for our destiny, for our life, for our children, for our land, for our city, for those whom we love, whom we know, whom we work with, we contend for the salvation, right? We, 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 we look at the unfruitfulness, the instability and uncertainness in our lives and in other people. We pray for them, we intercede for them. May I suggest to us the one thing that we put into our, on our intercession list, in our prayer list, and, and perhaps our whole approach towards prayer, to say that, Lord, would your presence come? We, we, we want to be in your presence. You know, there's a difference that we come into God's presence, and there's a difference that the presence of God comes upon us. To the three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was the presence of God coming to them. Now, that is what we need, isn't it? This is what we need. That, 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 that's what I need. I don't know about you. That's, that's what I need. And I, 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 I can't be spending 24-7 uh, and just singing praises and say, I draw near to your presence. I draw near to your presence. I draw near to the, you know, to the powerful presence of God. Lord, your presence needs to go with me. I need to draw your presence unto me. How do we appropriate the power of God's presence? Not just any presence. Attract His presence. Number one, let me just uh, raise two. Just two, just two uh, ways that we can appropriate, we can attract God's presence. Number one is uncompromising with God's holiness and worship. Let us not compromise. It is not a reward when we do good, when we live a holy life, God is good to us. No, it's not like that. Huh? It's not like that. It's attracting God's presence. Because when we choose to worship Him, when we choose to glorify Him, when we choose to honour His name at all costs, let me say this, at all costs, now that is a time when God's presence begins to manifest. We see down the history of the church. Whenever the church, God's people in the era, that they have options, they have choices, or they can choose God or technology, God or science, they can choose, huh? you will see that they were, they, 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 the, the dependence, the leaning upon God is being compromised. And when the leaning against God is an option, uh, when God is an option in our life, the tendency, I'm not saying that every situation is the same, I'm not saying that everyone will live like that. The tendency is this, that we will compromise. Here goes the option. Uh. And whenever we compromise, in, we will not be able to attract the kind of powerful God's presence. Sometimes we, 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 we look at people's life, oh, yo, this person goes through so terrible time, oh, you know, wow, drug addicts and all that, you know, abuse and all that. Oh, wow, God's presence came, Jesus came. We look at people who live in country where being a Christian means that you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are giving an advertisement, throw me into jail, throw me into jail. But yet in those jail times, Jesus manifests themselves uh, himself to them. Why? We ask ourselves, do we need to go through difficult times in order to see the presence of God? No. You don't need to go through difficult times. You don't need to choose suffering in order to see the manifestation of God's grace and God's power. We need to choose to worship Him and say that it is, not, it is a non-negotiable thing. I say to young people, I say to our, our our own daughter, the choice is yours. I'm saying to young people here as well, 
those of us who are online, who are watching us online later or live, I'm saying to you that the choice is yours. The choice is all ours. Whom do you choose to worship? Whom do you choose to, be, to align yourself with at all costs? At all costs. If we choose that, you can just sit back and wait for the manifestation of God's presence in your life. When that kind of presence comes, uh, wow, it will blow your mind. It will blow mine. It has blown mine many times over. When we are desperate, when we have our back on the wall, we say, God, is you or none other? You will see God shows up. Number two, walk in obedience to the great commission of making disciples. It is obvious. It is in the word of Jesus in Matthew 28, verse 19 to verse 20. Let's read together. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hey, amen. He said that even to the end of the age, of, of the age if you do this, if you, if, you, if, you, if you are committed to make disciples of all nations, I will be in your midst. This is Jesus' promise. And lo, I am with you always. Until when? To the end of the age. Hey, not to the end of our age. To the end of the age. Wow. That's how we attract the presence of God. If we read these words, you know, and, uh, and we begin to read uh, how the Great Commission has been uh, described, in Mark chapter 16, right? Mark chapter 16 and uh, verse 15, it says that, you know, he, 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 uh, Jesus said to the disciples, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes is baptized, will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And this sign will follow those who believe. What are the signs? In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will, be, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Mark 16, 15 to uh, 18, it is, a, it is a different way of, uh, it, is a, it's, it, it was recorded for us a different, in a different manner, the Great Commission. It must be read together with Matthew chapter 28. Why is it that the, the, the disciples can do all these things? Because they were faithful to the Great Commission making disciples of all nations. I want to encourage us this year and say to yourself that I want to take part. No, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We all want that, right? One of the ways is just that, Lord, I'm committed to worship you. I'm not only committed to obey you, I'm committed to what is on your heart, your heart for the nation, for the lost. If I don't have that, Lord Jesus, would you give that compassion in my heart? Would you give that to me? That I will want to disciple others and make disciples of all nations. I want to talk to other people about Jesus. I talked about, 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 about how good God is. You know, all this, all this, all this uh, great com commissions, execution, a great commission cannot, cannot, be uh, 
uh, be, be effective, authentic, authentic if we, our own lives, we, have, we are not experiencing the power of God's presence. Start choosing that today. Like the young man, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God didn't say that uh, you, you, you go to the fire, uh, I will save you. Uh, no. They were not even sure that they will be, they will be alive. But they say, Oh, king, who is ruling over your life? What is ruling over your, your life? What is dictating the way that you live your life? What is the one primary thing that is driving you in your life? If it is not the Lord Jesus, after all, Jesus does not drive us. Jesus invites us to come, to make the choice. God will never drive you. Last week we talked about that. God does not make us come to Him compel us to come to Him by punishment, by His wrath, by His anger, but He drew us to Him in His love and mercy and His grace. That was not last week, that was on Chinese New Year. So God is saying that, look, I, I'm, I'm gracious to you, would you come? He always invites us, He never drives us. But what is driving, driving you in your life? What is the thing, one thing that is causing you so tired, running and running and running after things that will never satisfy? And say to those things, O king, O ruler, be it known to you, I will not bow down to you, even this God whom I worship. Today, in Desert Stream Anglican Church, ah, does not save me. I will not bow down to you. When you say that, my dear friends, be ready for the manifestation of God's presence and His power in your life. He never failed to show up. He never failed to show up in my life. He never failed to show up in many people who put their trust in me. Is it, is it, is it easy? No. Not easy at all. Huh? The fiery furnace was real. It was not an imaginary thing. The heat was real. People said that when the heat is up, uh, the heat is real. The overflowing water is real. And God said to His people in, in the book of Isaiah, the f- you will walk through the water, it will not be flooded, but if you walk through the burning fire, it will not harm you. How do we draw near to God's presence? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to verse 13. And then we want to, I would invite us to pray after that, after this. Now let's read together. Therefore, remember that once Gentile in the, in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off has been brought near by the blood of Christ. How do we draw near to God's presence? There is no other way but through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that established 
an excellent and most excellent covenant between us and God. It is by His blood that we draw near. We were once, uh, Paul said, without hope, no hope, and without God in the world, outside God's presence, no God's presence, in His presence, but yet without the power of His presence. But no more, but no more, but now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, we, we were all once far off, all men and women were once far off. That's what Paul said in Romans, isn't it? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who once far off have been brought near, has been drawn near by the blood of Christ. That is our confidence. We draw near to God and say, God, we desire your presence. The shedding of the innocent blood of Abel drove Cain away from God's presence to the land of vagabond, to the land of not. The shedding of the innocent blood of Jesus draw us near to God's presence into the land of God's promises. How amazing is it? How wise is our God? We are not without hope. The world is not without hope. The world's hope is only in Christ Jesus. And when we join God, when we join our Heavenly Father in the mission to preach this gospel, this good news of salvation, not just preach and bring people uh, to, to, to be baptized and confirmed and bye-bye. Good, you sit there. No, but to make disciples of them that they too will also will go and make disciples. Help them to mature in their, in, their, in, their, in their Christian faith. Help them to grow in their relationship with the Lord. If we participate in that, Jesus said, Lo and behold, I'm with you. Always. Even to the end of the, of the age. I'll invite the worship team to come. In uh, Exodus 33, we read in this season that when Moses was confronted with a rebelling, with a rebellious uh, Israel, and God said that you can bring them up, I sent an angel to open the ways before you, you can bring them up to the land of Canaan, but my presence will not go with you. And Moses say, in verse 13, <clears throat> in verse 13, Genesis, uh, Exodus 33, verse 13, he says, Now therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And God say, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, that is Moses saying to God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Imagine that Moses must be wondering that, what have I ever done to deserve this? Huh? <laughs> I didn't choose this road. Huh? I didn't choose this path of life. All I wanted to do is to honour my God. All I want to do is to bless God's people. I give my life to serve you know, the purposes of God. And now, 
God is saying that you go lah. <laughs> God is some, uh, you know, he speaks to Malaysian. He said, you go lah. I said, Angel, go with you. But I'm not going with you. And Moses, you know the kind of situation, I know the way to go. But it's so challenging, it's so overwhelming, it's so over, overcoming. But God said, I will not go with you some more. Hayo. Then Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, don't ask me to go. Don't ask me to go. My dear friends, sometimes in your life, in my life, there are certain pathways in life that we did not choose it. It's just that we need to go through. We know that no matter how difficult it is, in the midst of challenging of unfruitfulness, instability and uncertainness, we need to go through this. We need to grind our teeth and go through this. We ask God, is there no other way? And God said, this is a path. For the young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is the way. You go. There is no option. For Jesus, he looked at the cross and God said, that is the way. There is no other way. Was it easy for all these men, for all these people, all these people down the history of the Bible, down the history of the church, and perhaps in your own life too, did they have choice? Did they have any choice? And God say, and Jesus say, sorry, Jesus say, but let, you know, even Jesus was so stressed out looking at the pathway to the cross. But there's no other way, just this one way. And Jesus say, but not my will, but your will be done. Are we able to say it? Not my will, but your will be done. The song that I'd like to invite us to meditate upon and to sing together in your presence. This way I'm strong. In your presence, O Lord, in your presence, this way I belong. Seeking your face, touching your grace in the cleft of the rock. In your presence, O Lord. Moses says, show me your presence. Show me your face that I may know that you have favor upon me. In Exodus chapter 33 and chapter 34, God showed his face to Moses and he hid him in the cleft of the rock and so that he would see the back of God, not face to face, to see his awesome glory that may actually consume him. I want to go where the rivers cannot overflow me. The song says, where my feet are on the rock, I want to hide where the blazing fire cannot burn me. In your presence, O Lord. I believe the author of the songs understood this Old Testament uh, 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 imagery very well. And, 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 and to say that I want to go not where there's no river. I want to go it's not where there's no blazing fire. There's river, there's blazing fire. It cannot overflow me. It cannot burn me. How could it be? It's only with the presence of God. 
My dear friends, sometimes we look at our lives as filled with so many challenges. I say, God, where are you? My dear friends, even in the overflowing river, the blazing fire, we can call out to God and say, let your presence come. Because in those rivers, when we are crossing the rivers, when we are swept away in the river, I can still experience the presence of God. In the blazing fire, just like the three young men, they can still experience the presence of God with them in the fire. That makes the difference, in fact. That makes, that, that, that created a miracle that today we still sing about, we still rejoice about. But I want to say to us that we can have that kind of presence in our life. We can have that presence. We look at the year ahead, we look at what we are going through right now. Young and all alike, children, you know, pandemic and with all the rest of it. Now, when is it going to end? When is it going to end? But we want, at the same time, we pray, Lord, even in this blazing fire, in this threatening flood and river, be with us. Be with us. I want to hide where the flood of evil cannot reach me when I'm covered by the blood, by the blood, by the blood of Jesus. I want to be where the schemes of darkness cannot touch me. I do not want to go where there's no scheme of darkness. I want to walk in God's way. There may be scheme of darkness, but they cannot touch me. In your presence, O Lord, in your presence, O God, for you are my firm foundation. I trust in you all day long. I am your child and your servant, and you are my strength and my song. You are my song.